Welcome, welcome, welcome. I am Dan. Oh, now we're live. I'm Dan, your friendly fishmonger at dancefish.com. Thanks for being here. Good to have you all here. Thanks for joining us. We do this every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Mountain Time. That's 9 Eastern. So anytime you want to join us, we're here every week, except last week. I'll tell you about last week. Last week, I was on the road. I had to drive over drive. I had to travel over to Los Angeles to receive a new import of fish. It's a very exciting import and I can't wait to tell you all about it next week when Bob Steenfot is here. So we'll, we'll do that with Bob next week. Um, oh, now would be a good time to insert ads, says Google. All right. Nope. Anyway, let's keep going despite the interruptions. Hang on, I want to check something here. Let's see if I lower this just a little bit. Playing with my ISO. See if that's no, that's gonna be too dark. Maybe right about there. Okay, so let's get going. We're gonna start with our shipping report as we do every week. We also have a giveaway today, which is pretty cool. In fact, let me see something here. I yeah, so I'll, I'll talk about the giveaway in a second, I guess. And then I'm gonna tell you about some exciting fish we have in stock. Um, and then we'll get to your questions and comments. So that's the docket for the day. So let's start with the shipping report. It's not perfect, but so far this week, there's been three losses. We lost a couple Corridors Lusomelis, and we lost a Red Lizard Whiptail. So three total. So to those customers that experienced that, I apologize, I'm sorry. We do our very best to make sure that never happens. When it does happen, we do our very best to make sure we take care of you. And I think anyone that's been through that with us, and luckily it's not too many people, very few fish have problems. But when they do, if you've been through that with us, you know that we take care of you right. So um, that's the, the shipping report. Now I wanna move on to the giveaway and then tell you about Los Angeles. So the giveaway today was provided by an anonymous person. Um, the reason they're anonymous is I didn't even think until later today, this afternoon, to reach out and ask if they wanted us to say their name or their username. I don't want to like out somebody who prefers to remain anonymous. So usually I remember to do that early on. And uh, hang on, I got to adjust this. Still getting used to the new space. That was bugging me. There we go. But this time I, I didn't. And so I put them as anonymous because I don't want to say who they are on air as it were if they don't want me to so until I hear from them I would like to say their name and thank them for providing the giveaway but but I don't want to if some people like to be anonymous so that's the reason today's uh, giveaway is provided by anonymous just because me dumb dumb didn't think about it till too late in the day to get a confirmation it was okay to tell them, hey, is this from you or do you want to remain anonymous? So, but the giveaway is pretty cool. It's for a group of five Dalmatian mollies, which is probably a fish that, that we all know and probably love, along with a smorgasbord of, of mystery snails. So there'll, there'll be a, a mix of nine different mystery snails, three black, three blue, and three gold. So a nice mix. So that's the giveaway provided by Anonymous until Johnny tells me it's okay to, um, to mention their name. Johnny's checking with them. So thank you to that person. And uh, it might be next week before we can acknowledge you just because I want to make sure it's okay that we do. <laughs> Mostly it is, 
But every now and then we've had someone that's like, yeah, don't mention my name. And I'd hate to have this be one of those people and then be like, oh, sorry. Sorry. I don't want that experience for them. So that's the giveaway. Oh, I should tell you how to enter the giveaway. That would be helpful, right? To enter the giveaway, it's hashtag Molly Snail. Hashtag M-O-L-L-Y-S-N-A-I-L. Hashtag Molly Snail. All one word, no spaces, caps don't matter. Hashtag M-O-L-L-Y-S-N-A-I-L. And I don't know yet if we're going to do uh, two different giveaways or do them all as one unit. Not quite sure, but we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. So, Los Angeles. This was a whirlwind trip. This was crazy. So, flew down to Los Angeles on, uh, when was it? It was Tuesday. Yes, Tuesday. Got with Ross Friedman, who's helping me uh, head up the 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 handling of the fish, the TLC of the fish when they first arrived from the airport. Made sure everything was set up, got the new tipper tie machine all set up over there for him, got it all tested and calibrated and things. And then the next day, we went over, we had to rent a U-Haul because uh, it was uh, so many boxes of fish they wouldn't fit in, in the van. <laughs> they would not fit in a U-Haul van, so we had to rent a U-Haul truck. When we went to Japan Airlines, that's where they came in at, got them, picked them up, drove back, and then spent until 2 a.m. that evening changing water, taking care of the fish, making sure everyone was okay. And everyone came in pretty darn good shape. If anyone has ever received imports or worked at a wholesaler or an importer before, you know what the norm is. The norm can be uh, pretty disheartening, but I'm, I'm lucky enough that I, I've found some suppliers that go above and beyond, take really good care of their stock, and so it was really nice to see everything come in, almost everything come in in good shape. Of course, there are a few losses, but there was only one bag that I held up and was like, oh, that's a disaster, only one species that I held up and was like, oh, that's a disaster. Um, everything else was, was pretty nice. So it was a pretty good experience. We worked with the tipper tie machine for the first time in, in quantity. And for anyone that doesn't know what that is, it's the, it's the machine that does metal banding on bags. So you don't have to wear out your arms and, and get the rubber band burn on your fingers by rebagging and resealing the bags with rubber bands. So. It's kind of cool. You put the bag in, you crank it, and and it's nice and shut. Do a couple of those, put in a second bag, double bag it, and we're good to go. We only had one bag that had some leakage um, between Los Angeles and here in Wyoming. So, so that's pretty good. When we use rubber bands, lots of bags have a little leakage. Usually it does, it's not like the whole bag you know, deflates and leaks out. Usually it's just, oh, there's some water in the box and this bag's a little deflated. But... There's, there's usually several bags like that with rubber bands. So I'd call the tipper tie uh, machine a success. Um, if you ever order one, give yourself a good year before it arrives and you'll have to pester them weekly before you finally get it. But uh, now that we have it and it's set up and we're working it, then it's, it's, been, a, it's been a good thing. I think we ordered it like, I can't remember, fall of last year. <laughs> Now, granted, we've had it for a few months, um, 
waiting for this to get built so we could do a big import and use it. But yeah, so plan ahead if you're going to use that machine. But so we did all that. Then we were able to get those on a plane or early the next morning to Denver. I got to, uh, to I was able to book a flight on the same plane. So I flew with the fish back to Denver, Colorado. Um, Jonathan met me there in a big 15-seater cargo van that has all the seats removed and well now it's a cargo van it was a passenger van and we put the fish in there and drove straight up to Wyoming and got here about 6 p.m. on two on Thursday and unboxed everything so that was a, a grueling trip I think I went around 40 hours without sleep but it was nice to get it all done we, we found a system that works. It was tiring, uh, but like I like to say, we were tired but happy. In fact, I'm still a little tired from that experience, to tell you the truth. It seems like my mic is really hot. It's pitching out here. There we go. I'm going to turn my mic down just a bit because I looked over and it was solid red there for a second. But that might be because I was uh, laughing right there. Yeah, and I, I laugh a little loud. I love to laugh. Um, okay, so that's, that was the trip. I want to thank Ross and John and Scott and Jackson for uh, pulling that that long day with us, going through the fish, uh, you know, water change, repacking the, the fish TLC gauntlet with us, and just thank you guys so much. I appreciate you doing that, and it's so nice to work with people that care. You know, they sometimes in this industry it starts to feel a little industrialized and the fish start to feel like they're being treated as as commodities which i guess in a way they are but commodities instead of living creatures that deserve care and respect and it's nice to work with hobbyists so everyone that was doing this with us is a tried and true hobbyist um i've known ross for 15 plus years john john neemans who helped us is uh, i've known him for years and years He's an old mentor of mine. In fact, when I was going through high, uh, through college, I used to drive to his house from Santa Barbara, pick up fish he would he had bred, take them back to my house, do the whole you know quarantine them and everything um, th that we do, and then uh, and then sell them on Aquabit. That's part of how I paid through college, was by uh, by by selling John's fish. So these are people that go back, you know way far with me and with the hobby. Scotty is someone I, I hadn't met before, but was highly recommended by, by Ross. And Scotty turned out to be a delight. Scotty, if you're watching, it was a pleasure to meet you. And so it, it was an awesome crew. Anyway, that's all done. Those fish are getting through quarantine and most of them should be ready to release for sale next week uh, while Bob Steenfot is here. So Bob's gonna come out next week. If you watch his stream on, I believe it was Monday, you all know this, and he's gonna see the warehouse, take videos, um, just get to know this place really well. Bob's an affiliate of ours, so we wanna bring him out to see what he's affiliating for. <laughs> so there are some things that, that I'm, I'm sure we won't list yet. Plecos in general, we take extra time with. And the reason is it often takes plecos a week or so to settle in enough that they really start eating, right? It, it, last night was the first night that a lot of the plecos started 
started really eating. And I'm not talking about the plecos that are listed now. That, that's from a different source. Uh, but the plecos from the, the shipment that came in last week, they're just starting to scratch the zucchini and eat the pellets a little bit. And so we want to give them, you know, a couple weeks to get fat and sassy. And so I don't think those will be ready next week. But there'll be a lot of rainbow fish ready next week. There'll be some amazing gobies ready next week. And, uh, and some other stuff that I, I can't get into. One of them is, I, I think we might be the only people in the United States that have them. It's, it's a really cool fish. You never see it. It's pricey, but it's just... Uh, well, that's the teaser. We'll, we'll tell you about it hopefully next week. They're doing amazing, so I think they'll be good to go. But anyway, that's that's what my week's been like. It's been uh, non-stop. It's, uh, whew, that was a whirlwind for sure. But everything's, we're on the other side now, starting to catch up on some sleep, which is good. <laughs> um, with that, let me show you some things that are available now that were added to the website recently. This one I'm really excited about. This is a Phaneus Mento, and I forget the location we have. Uh, I'd have to look it up, but it's location specific, the one we have. One of the first killifish I ever bred and raised, really hardy, really personable, outgoing. Once they get to know you, they come up and beg for food in a big crowd. And the dominant males color up like this, really dark with these white and, and blue spots on them. The females stay kind of, you know, colorless, but the males are really pretty. And they're already spawning for us. I knew they would be. They're, they eat flakes. They eat everything. They're not picky. One of the easiest killifish ever. So if, if you want to start killifish, they're not a bad one at all. They can take all kinds of water conditions. They prefer actually hard alkaline water. These guys come from kind of desert, uh, limited habitats with, with really hard water. So And sometimes a little bit salty even. So if you live out in the United States, like most people, where the water's hard and alkaline, it shouldn't be any problem at all. So they would, they would like that. Now they can do soft water as well, but they really prefer kind of the hard stuff. So Phaneus Mento, beautiful little killie. They stay pretty small too. Corridor's Super Schwarzei. I forgot the CW number on these guys, but we have a great group in. They're tanks, they're, they're big. They're eating like crazy. They're doing great. So I think they're going to thrive for you. I think they're going to do really well. Not cheap. These super short size are quite expensive. And there's no species name yet. They, they haven't been scientifically described. So they're just called super schwartzy or by the seed number. I think it's CW28. 27? 28, I think this one is. But everyone calls them super schwartzy. Um, Codimaculatus reminds me a little bit of a similis and a little bit of a pandacory is kind of how I guess I would describe it. Cute little guys. Don't see them very often at all. Corridor Sterby, which I know is not rare or anything, but is, you have to admit, one of the prettiest Corridors ever with their bright orange pectoral fins and the orange on the uh, anal fins, or, or not anal fins, sorry, um, pelvic fins and things. But these ones, the ones we have are wild caught. They came from the uh, Pantanal area in Brazil. And we do that every now and then with the Sturby. We buy some wild caught or we buy um, some location specific, in part because some people like location specific fish, but in part because Sturby every now and then could use an influx of new genes, right? They're, they're one of the most commonly bred 
corridors in the in the hobby and in the industry and so I feel like every now and then bringing in some wild refreshment for the bloodlines is a good thing so we've got some of those Alexander Engelhart throwing down like Alexander does I've been Engelharted thank you Alexander appreciate it very very much um, your weekly support means a ton thank you thank you thank you oh <laughs> and I did that on the wrong screen thank you now back to our regularly scheduled program. <laughs> okay, where was I? There we were. So uh, thanks again, Alexander. This one I've never seen before. This is Cervinus. It's one of the horse face or long nose type quarries. It's cool to see him in person. Yeah, never seen him before. So glad to have those. Trucano. I always put an R in there. Tucano. I always want to say Turcano. Like the Turkish quarry. No, Tucano. They call them the three spot or three blotch quarry or something like that. Arcuatus. And I'm pretty sure the ones I have are actually Arcuatus. I, I think, in fact, that's what they are. They look right. This is Robustus. Now, I'd never seen Robustus before. They're they're big. They're like every bit of three inches, and they're they're built like tanks. They could invade a small country. They're big, tough, but beautiful fish. So, one of the larger the quarries for sure. Oh, and by the way, how you tell these apart from some of the other common ones, like the CW27s and stuff, is see this black stripe up the dorsal? See how behind it there's a little bit of clear fin, and above it there's some or in front of it, there's some light-colored clear fin. That's how you know the difference. Uh, the black runs up the center of the dorsal fin, not through the front of it. Oh, here's the CW27. Uh, they look very similar, but see how the black runs up the top, or up the front? And these have bright orange here. They look like an Adolfoi or a uh, Duplicarius in that way. Not quite as big, maybe two, two and a half inches, but really tanky, like really big, bulky quarries. These are a cute little guy, Evelyn A. I think these only get about an inch and a half. That's what Planet Catfish says. And the ones we have are, are pretty small, around, I don't know, an inch or so maybe. But uh, Scott Cat says they get bigger. So either I'm confused or they're confused. Someone's confused. So I don't know if they or one of the smaller quarries that stay, you know, an inch and a half, kind of like a panda quarry, or if they, in fact, grow to regular quarry size. Swordtail Kerosins. These guys are just one of the neatest tetras out there. They have this long sword, gets a little yellow on it, really big fins, and the way they breed is interesting. So they practice internal fertilization. The male inseminates the female. And then later on, she lays fertilized eggs at her leisure. So they're kind of like a live bear that doesn't have live young. A live bear that lays eggs, I guess. And the males develop this, this long filament is attached to the operculum. It comes off, well, I think so. Maybe it's just in back of the operculum. But it looks like it comes off the gill. That's what it looks like in our fish. But maybe it's attached to the body behind the gill. That would make more sense. And on the end, it's got this little pom-pom thing. When I first saw this, it freaked me out because I thought that it was an anchor worm. And so I literally tried to pull it off. I feel so bad. Now, luckily I couldn't get a grip. I didn't use tweezers or anything. I just started with my fingers trying to get it off. It never got enough of a grip to really hurt the fish. But 
Um, later I found out this is a reproductive organ. And they think what it does is releases pheromones or chemicals into the water to induce the females to breed. So don't worry if you buy swordtail tetras or swordtail kerosens if you see what looks like an, a funky looking anchor worm. Now they look different. Anchor worm has those two distinct egg sacs coming off the end. Let me show you guys. So anchorworms have these two egg sacs coming off the ends. They always look like they're giving you the peace sign. So they looked different, and I knew that, but I didn't know what else it would be besides some kind of different species of anchorworm or something. But anyway, <laughs> cool little fish. Let's see here. Samuel Joseph Fernald, thank you so much for the super chat. Always appreciated, never required, but we are at a little startup company here, and so every little bit does help while we're in this transition stage scaling the company. Is there a schedule for when new fish are listed? Wet spot posts every Friday at 9 p.m. Religiously, for instance, every Wednesday after stream ends, perhaps. I don't want to miss out on the new gobies. Um, Samuel, there isn't, and the reason is, is we get our imports for example, sometimes we get them Mondays, sometimes they come Tuesdays. This last one didn't get here till Thursday. And so our quarantine period is, uh, we do it different than most folks. We have, we have a, a substantial quarantine period and we release the fish after that if they're doing well. So we have a two week quarantine period. So we release the fish um, 14 days after they arrive as long as they're doing well. So. We can't commit to a specific day. It, it would be kind of bad for our business if, if a fish came on Thursday, for example, and so, or on Wednesday, some, let's say it came Thursday and we weren't ready to release it, or we were ready to release it on, on Wednesday, but we, we couldn't because it, hang on, my math is wrong. Let's do this. Let's say that a fish came on trying to figure out this instance. What I'm trying to explain with my super tired camera brain is if a fish was ready to go right after Wednesday, having to wait till the next Wednesday, the regularly scheduled posting date to post it, we would lose almost a whole week of sales, right? Um, or something like that. That, that wouldn't be, be good for our, our cash flow. Uh, so we like to post the fish as soon as they're ready to go when they're through quarantine. Now, we often hold the fish longer, and we kind of let the fish tell us when they're ready. So the fish let us know when they're ready and we post them right away, is how we do it right now. Kelly Foreman. After only two weeks, I have hundreds of gold Madaka rice fish swimming in my pond. They must be the world's easiest fish to breed because I did nothing. Congratulations, you're a fish mama. <laughs> See, I can answer a super chat shortly and concisely, unlike, unlike I did before Samuel there. It took me a little while to figure out how to explain that. Oh, here's another shot of it. See this? This is, this is another shot of that filament with the strange thing on it that they use in the breeding process. Anyway, thanks again, Kelly, for the super chat, and thanks again, Samuel. Moving on, glass headstanders. I like these guys a lot. 
they don't get too big but they aren't tiny either so they can hang with some fish that are a little bigger than your average fish i don't think they would bother any fish that they couldn't you know eat but they are a little more predatory than your average little tetra or your average headstander they're they're called headstanders they're not even closely related at all to the spotted headstanders and things but um, really interesting fish eating well on everything and yeah just something different we did we do have some splash tetras the ones we have are one of the spotted species we don't know the the actual identity but it looks a lot like this or like this this is the one that it probably might be it probably might be maybe <laughs> got some uh, red hump head geophagus in just if you're new to geophagus this is a hardy one it doesn't cost too much these guys are big and uh, they're very colorful and funky shaped on the plecos we've got some l202s that are doing fantastic just eating everything not a problem at all with them they're doing wonderfully we have some l201s that are doing really well now we'll also have some aquarium bred and raised 201s that should be ready within a couple weeks but every now and then well actually I, I shouldn't say every now and then back in the day years ago let's let's caveat here when we brought in plecos there were all kinds of problems when we brought in, in wild plecos so I literally just stopped and haven't done it in over a decade. I was just like, this is, this is not good. And so I, I had no plans to bring in wild plecos again, but I've recently come across a supplier who works hard to make sure that they're taken care of better than they used to be. And so now I've, I've tried a few different species of wild plecos from them and they seem to be doing pretty well. So. I have brought in some some wilds again because I think they fixed a lot of the problems. I, I couldn't support how it was done earlier, but this supplier seems to do a pretty darn good job. So I do have wild 201s here available now. And if you prefer aquarium bread, then we have those coming uh, in a couple weeks. And there's pros and cons to each. So either way, I respect it. Some blue panocks, which really are cool fish. They, they look pretty much like chalkboard gray like that dark gray or almost black with some blue highlights um, they have highlights on all the fins but especially on the dorsal and anal there's like a or not anal the dorsal and caudal fin there's like a, a, a kind of a, a very slight margin of iridescence but it's also on the pectoral fins and the pelvic fins and things and these guys are the same genus as these they're oh no these are berry ancestress sorry i think these are berry ancestress is that right yeah okay okay then we have um so for a second there i thought i i for a second there i thought that the green was a berry ancestress and i was like they're the same genus that's weird because they're, they're kind of different um the green phantoms l200s big ones doing great i i don't think you're gonna have any problems with them they're big and eating like horses. Now here's a story. Dorado. I don't like Dorado for aquariums. I don't think they belong in pretty much any aquarium because they get huge, they swim really fast, and they are vicious mofos. However, 
I have some. I didn't order them. What I ordered was, let me show you. I ordered the Tailspot Tetra. Oh, I'm probably going to have to look up, uh, what's the scientific name on that? Sorry, I have to look up the scientific name because when I Google tailspot tetra, it brings up like head and tail like tetra. But anyway, it's a peaceful little tetra that gets about four inches is what I ordered. What showed up? Oh, I'm not showing any of these. I'm so bad at my job. So bad. What showed up was these, Dorado. Now, I don't know if they're golden Dorado. There's four species of Dorado. I don't know which genus I have, but... Uh, this is what showed up. So they're about four inches now. They're doing fantastic. I need to find homes for them. For the, so they're, they're for sale because I've got them. But not a fish that I brought in and not a fish that I would recommend for anyone unless they have an amazingly large tank. And even then, careful. Watch your fingers. How long was I? I don't think I showed these, did I? Oh, yeah, I did. I just switched over to look for the tailspot tetra. Hopefully... If not, there's the Green Phantoms, there's the Blue Pinox, there's the Snowballs, there's the 202s, and my deepest apologies if I literally just did all that on the wrong screen. <laughs> we have some Hoplo cats. I honestly don't know the species, but looking at them and looking at pictures, I think they're probably the spotted Hoplo. They look a lot like this to me. Some Sedinoperca uh, mapiratensis, the fine white spot Jurapari, basically. Really pretty fish. They, they look similar to most of the Sedinoperca. And ours have been lip locking. I think we might get a spawn soon. They're, I think they're full grown, they're, they're big. Last but not least, these are the strawberry leperinus. Now, these came in from, these obviously are. are different. These were aquarium bred and raised. Uh, these came from a different source. I don't usually carry leperinus because they're nasty, just, just mean bullies, and they get big, they get huge. This one, however, is rumored to only get six or seven inches. Now, it has all the assertive behavior, if you will, of a leperinus, but it's smaller, so I think it's more manageable. They're gorgeous. They're really neat. They're hardy. They're eating everything. They're doing great. Um, and according to everything I've read, and this is still a very new species, so we could be proven wrong, but according to everything I've seen, about 20 centimeters is what Aquarium Glass here calls them. So other people say six inches, so six or seven inches roughly is what we should land at. So that's a quick peek of what we've recently, well, there's some other, those are just the highlights, I guess. There's other stuff that we've put up as well. Let me close all these uh, tabs so I don't, put too much strain on my computer if that's even a thing there's probably some computer ex experts out there going like doesn't do anything <laughs> not helpful <laughs> but makes me feel better so there we have there you have it so that's what's up in our neck of the woods let's find out what's going on with you guys if you want to chat let's go ahead and leave a question or comment in the chat for us and we'll get a dialogue going if uh Oh, before I do that, I want to thank my moderators. Thanks so much for being here every week and doing what you do, guys. We, we appreciate you volunteering your time to make this stream run 
more smoothly. That's, it's just amazing that people do that week after week. I really, really appreciate it. All right, let's see if I get some chapstick because I forgot my water today. <laughs> of course. So, little dry throat, dry lips going on. All right, let's scroll up here. Jimmy P's Aquariums, one of these days I'm going to be able to buy some fish from you, Dan. One of these days. Well, whenever you want to, we're around. No pressure, though. Everyone's at a different stage in their life and in their fish keeping. I get it. Irie 77 what food are you feeding the mini snowball plecos? We give them a mix, um, several different kinds of pellets. They get zucchini as well, but sometimes they get algae wafers. Sometimes they get carnivore pellets. Sometimes they get bloodworms. Sometimes they get uh, zucchini. And generally, we're getting it in now. Generally, we have wood in all the tanks too, even with hype and citrus. I know they're not wood eaters, but I see wood chewed up in their tanks sometimes. So I think occasionally they like to, to, to gnaw on some wood. So we do that. Now, that, that's recent though. We've only got wood in, in the last few days. Let's see here. Dragon Lair, are the clown plecos fattening up? So Dragon Lair is still confused. I have clown plecos that I didn't feature in the video that are super fat. They're tanks and those, those get wood all the time. We feed them wood all the time. Um, I don't know which ones you're referring to in in the video as clown plecos. Is it the 168? Is it the ones where we were checking, showing the sunken bellies on them? If so, uh, not yet. We're we're trying. We put wood in there. Um, someone had a, a suggestion for like nori, like the sushi wrap stuff. So I'm going to try some of that. But I, I really don't think it's because they don't have food in there that they want. We, we give them a wide variety of food. I really think it's because there's something going on. So we've, we've tried another round of Levamisol, see if, see if that helps. Um, so we're, we're trying some different things. But I think you're referring to the 168, the one that we were using to demonstrate what sunken belly looks like. Mickey M, Aphanius Mento Zengen, that's the one, that's the location. Thank you, thank you, Mikey. I said Mickey. Thank you, Mikey. Buddy Viper, I've recently found two six-barred panchacks fry in my guppy tank. Apparently, they rode over on the plants. Oh yeah, the eggs will totally do that. Nice, so exciting. I love these killies so much. They remind me of tiny pickerel. Yeah, that's fair. Like little pike type fish, absolutely. I can, I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> Mountaintop Puffer Keeper. I recorded spawning of my F1 POW, CF Palustris. It was probably the coolest thing on video to date. Puffer Room eats countless night crawlers, white worms, snails, Daphnia, and BBS a month now. That's amazing. I'm so glad. I'm so glad to do that. And thanks for sharing the, the video with me. It was cool to see. Was it that one? Your latest video, I was on the road. I was on my way to LA or in LA or coming back from LA. So um, I watched it then. It's been a few days though. It took me a while to respond, but I did watch it when I got it. Mikey M, please, if possible, since I'm in Europe, if I win, re-give uh, re my win to Melinda Briney. Okay, yeah, that's not a problem. I'll just need someone to, to reach out and give us Melinda Briney's contact info if that happens. 
and if if actually Melinda will have to Melinda if you're here and you win when we draw then you claim the winnings say I'm I'm winning I'm Melinda that's me Leo 209 Aquatics can't wait to get my L397s and my Black Tiger Dario next week what have you been feeding both fish the 397s eat lots of things those those have wood in the tank but mainly we feed them uh, Hikari Massivore pellets we feed them extreme um, bottom scratchers, I think is what they're called. I, I call them algae wafers, but I think they call it bottom scratchers. They like uh, blood worms and stuff like that as well. And they get zucchini. So we give all our plecos a big mix. I, I know hypensistrus are carnivores, but they like the zucchini, so a few times a week they get some, right? It can't hurt, I figure. If they choose to eat that over the uh, you know, protein, then maybe they know something we don't. Oh, in the Black Tiger Darios. So Black Tiger Darios, I can't eat, get to eat uh, dried foods. So we feed them live and frozen foods. So they really like live baby brine shrimp. They're plenty big to eat frozen bloodworms. They eat that. They'll eat, yeah, brine shrimp and bloodworms is the main staple we give them. Um, sometimes they get some other stuff. We, sometimes we have too many scuds and we'll feed those out and things. So stuff like that. U.S. Not Scraper. <laughs> I'm gonna get it this time. <laughs> U.S. Scaper. My Kubatai Razabaris are doing amazing and the color is buzzing. I'm glad to hear that, thank you. That's good to hear. Um, Cause you know, every now and then we screw up. You know, every now and then something dies in transit or we send a fish that has a deformity that we somehow didn't catch. We have so many quality control checkpoints but every now and then something slips through. So it's nice to hear uh, that the majority of things is like, yeah, it's going well. We try our best, but I, I tend to fixate on the problems, I guess, because it's my job to solve them. But I'm glad to hear that the Kubatai Razboras are doing great. They're nice and green for you, U.S. Scaper. <laughs> I dubbed these Scraper. <laughs> Please highlight comments and questions for Dan with at Dan's Fish. Yes, if you do that, for those that are new... It'll turn into this bright orange box for me, and I'll be able to see it more easily and know that you're trying to get my attention. Otherwise, I just assume that you are uh, talking amongst yourselves and having a good old time at the party. Verily, verily, KC, how long can I keep a single single albino quarry? I lost his other two siblings a few days ago. Well, in a case where you had three and you lost two, I would wait a little while just to make sure there isn't something going on. You wouldn't want to get more quarries and put them in together because it sounds like there might be a sickness or something that needs to resolve. So I would wait a few weeks and then if that quarry is, is, is doing well and eating well and acting all normal, then I might try getting it some friends. Um, once I was confident it was healthy and it was not, and its siblings didn't die of an illness that it might also have, then I would get a, a group for sure. And, and Corey's love being in a group. I mean, you can get away with three, I suppose, but I think a dozen is, is a good starting point for Corey's. I know a lot of people start with six, and, and that's I guess that's tolerable, but you see a whole different fish, a whole different behavior and playfulness, and I, I, I almost think level of comfort 
Although I know that's humanizing a fish, and I don't know what a fish actually thinks or feels, but it's kind of a way to describe it. When there's like a dozen or two dozen or something in a tank, they, they like being in as large a group as possible. So once that, that quarry is healthy, maybe a way to go about it would be to get a few more, put them together. If everyone's still good a few weeks later, then, uh, then maybe a, a few more until you've built up as, as big a school as, as you can. They're just so much, they're so comfortable in large schools. Chat jumps, so let me scroll up here and find where it jumps so I can get to the next question or comment. In fact, I think that, uh, I think that's true for most fish we keep in the aquarium hobby. Now, there's definitely fish that want to be alone, right? Like a dragon puffer. And there's fish that don't care socially one way or another. But most of the fish that we keep cue off each other. And when you keep them in larger groups, you see a whole different side, a whole different, it's almost like, it's almost like better wellness, I, I, I guess. Um, so I think in general, it'd be good if people kept, if you have one tank and you were gonna keep six different species in it, maybe cut that down to three and get larger numbers of each species. Now, of course, there's exceptions, of course, of course, but in general, I feel like uh, that wouldn't be a bad uh, way to approach things. The Blind Fish Keeper. Hi, Dan, I love your CPDs. I'm glad, I'm glad they're doing well for you. Uh, the CPDs do well for almost everyone. We did have an incident a couple weeks ago, which really surprised me where um, someone bought a whole, wait, I think I already talked about this. Oh, briefly, someone bought a whole bunch of CPDs. They're doing great. They're excited because they've been trying for years to get healthy CPDs, and finally they got some that are doing well for them, right? That's what we live for here at Dance Fish. That's, that's our whole reason for existing. Very exciting. So they bought another group, and for some reason, that second group didn't do well. <laughs> First time we've had trouble with, with this strain of CPDs for, geez, that I can remember. So I don't know what went wrong, but it was a weird roller coaster. So I'm glad yours are doing well for you. I think everyone else's are doing well for them with this one exception. So strange. Same group, same everything. Just for some reason, I, I have to wonder if during chipping something super stressful happened, like they got put in a sunny window and just got too hot or something. Not, not quite sure. Isaac Cornstubble. Hey, Dan, been a while. Wanted to ask you about the uh, Palupe. Pelucopensis, so that's Epistogrammoides pelucopensis. Let me let me show folks this. Interesting little fish, and pretty darn cool. These guys. Let's let's show one that actually shows their color. I'm not seeing. Here we go. So this is they get this this red on the fin, and they'll get blue here as well tail fin nice and red and the trouble with these guys is pictures I I don't is that even a pelucopensis that one I hardly ever find good pictures this one's not bad that's not bad there's some so much of the iridescence and stuff is here we go that's a decent picture that's a decent picture because it shows some of the blues and things that are missing in all the other pictures it shows the red and the yellows and it shows the spangling Anyway, really cool, really cool little, um, almost epistogramma. It's an epistogrammoides. 
I'm thinking of getting a group from you. Also interested in the Blue Diamond Angels. I want to order some. So the Pensis that we have, we've had for quite a, not like years or something, we've had it for a couple months. Long enough that they're trained to dry food. These guys are gonna eat, if you drop a big Massivore pellet in there, like the Hikari Massivore Delight, they'll just pick on it for a few hours and get nice and full bellies. They'll, they'll eat prepared foods. So they like frozen in life too, but they're super easy to keep. Um, have some hides, have some line of sight blocks, but until one goes into spawning condition, they're not vicious to each other. We, we keep them in groups all the time with no problems. So in my experience, and again, usually keeping fairly large numbers in a tank, I, I'm not keeping like just two, maybe two would queue in on each other and there would be a little more aggression like can happen with some of the epistos. But in our experience, no, they're, they're just delightful. I like them a lot. They're hardy and uh, easy. I think they're easy. I really do. And the the blue diamonds. Um, so what can I say about them? They're as far as care and stuff. They're they're just a really pretty angelfish. They're they're hardy and, and I think they should do well for you. So yeah, that, that's my thoughts. A train. I'm glad the trip was successful and I hope the fatigue doesn't last. How many times a day should I feed Endler Fry to optimize their growth? How long should I keep the light on for them? So in the wild, Endler Fry are gonna eat nonstop uh, during the daytime. So maybe, okay, if you really wanna optimize this, sorry, my, ah, it's hot in here and I've got like, you know, back sweat. You didn't need to know that, did you? TMI, but it's just, ugh, it's uncomfortable, so I keep shifting. Um, so if you really want to dial this in, I would find out uh, where they're native from. Where is it, Colombia, the endler, if I remember right? Or is it Venezuela? Oh. Anyway, figure out where they're native to, where they're naturally from. Look, the, it's really easy on weather.com or something to find the how long the daylight is in a certain city. So find a city around there, find out how long the daylight is, and then you know how long to keep your lights on for. That might be a way to dial it in. And in the wild, they eat all day long. The fry are nibbling on food all day long. The difference is the food they're eating is not always super nutritious. Sometimes they're, they're grabbing little bits of algae. Sometimes they're literally eating detritus. So that's the difference. It probably wouldn't be great to feed them like a real high protein, fatty, nutritious food. By nutritious, I mean high energy food all day long. That, that's not natural. but if you fed them lower calorie food and they munched on it all day long, then, then that would be very natural for them. So how we generally do it though, is feed two to four times a day um, the higher energy foods and the fish don't have food in front of them all the time. So one way to do it is before work in the morning, squirt some live baby brine shrimp in there and then when you get back in the evening, squirt some live baby brine shrimp in there and they'll probably eat the brine shrimp for two, three hours in the morning and then they'll probably eat it for another couple hours in the evening. So that's one way to keep food in front of them for a while every day. And by the way, in my experience, newly hatched baby brine shrimp, not ones that have gone through a few instar molts and have about used up their egg yolk, but ones that are freshly hatched they'll live for four to six hours in, in fresh water, even really soft water. So it's a question of how close to hatching you harvest them for their longevity. Jevity. Miguel Leon, any rhino gobias coming to the site next week? 
No, we only have the one species of Rhinogobius right now. There are some others I've tried to get, but I've, I've been shorted on them. So the, the only one we have is uh, Rhinogobius starts with a G. Let's, let's look at it. And it's really good looking. Our picture, I don't think, does it justice. These guys. These are the ones that we have right now. But you can, you can kind of see the yellows and the oranges coming in on these. Yeah, okay, that, that's, a, that's a decent shot. I mean, they look a little better in person, but that's not too bad. That gives you the idea. Yeah. But that's the only one that we have at the moment, unfortunately. I like Rhinogobius. Um, I want to bring more in, but uh, hard to get a hold of. There are fish that you often order and does not show up. I think they're quite seasonal. Scuba Stevo's Aquatics. Are you coming to the ACA Triple Crown? I am. I'm going to the Triple Crown. I think they should call it the Quadruple Crown. <laughs> and I'm going to be bouncing around. There's some cichlid talks I want to see. There's some rainbow fish talks, library talks, killy talks. I like it all. So I'm going to be bouncing around. Um, I might spend more time in the rainbow fish talks just because rainbow fish is such an important part of my business. But killifish are like my, my hobby passion, right? So I'll probably spend a little time there too. But yes, I will be there. I can't wait. And I'm going to be like everyone else. I'm going to be going and I want to listen to all the talks I can. I, I want to soak up the information. And then, be, so three goals. Meet fish breeders that I can source fish from. People that breed enough quantity that I can buy fish from them. Because anytime I can buy fish from hobbyists in the United States, it's just... It's better. Get information, so soak up information, learn some stuff, and then meet all of you. Those are the three things I want to do while I'm there. Scott's Aquatics, how are you doing with the heat and shipping? We're, we're fine. We just, you, we, I, so I know people are um, really leery of getting fish shipped during the cold and during the heat. And I understand, if, if they're not properly prepared and if they're not packaged properly, it's a disaster, I get it. But if you use thick quality insulation, and if you use the proper amount of heat pack or cold pack, then as long as the temperature differential between us and where they're going isn't too high, we can ship pretty much year round. So we're shipping in the heat, we just have well insulated boxes, and we put a cold pack in it, and we have different size cold packs depending on where they're going. There were some places, uh, we shipped a couple boxes to Arizona today. Um, high is 108 and low is uh, 88, something like that. So uh, we'll let you know how it goes, but in general we can ship year round. We just have to put in the proper preparation. We have to put in the, the proper packing. So as long as we do that, we have a really high success rate. The time when it gets tricky is when it's hot here. This rarely happens because we live in a colder climate, but sometimes it will be hot here and cooler somewhere else. This happens when we ship to like Whitefish, Montana, for example. Sometimes they're even colder than we are. <laughs> so we might be having like a hot, warm day and they're gonna be having really cold temperatures. 
It's very rare, but every now and then it's like, I can't ship to you because I'd have to put a heat pack in the box and it would get too hot on my end. But if I don't put a heat pack in the box, it'll get too cold on your end. So every now and then we've had to postpone an order for a week because of a differential problem, but it's, it's not because of the temperature itself. We can, we can properly package and prepare the fish in the packaging for almost any temperature unless differential is too high between us and where they're going. U.S. Scaper, I think my comment cut off. What pleco cave diameter would you suggest for breeding dwarf plecos like 471s, 1.5 inch diameter or one inch? I really don't know. Um, yeah, I, I personally don't have a lot of experience breeding hypensisters plecos. So I would refer you to someone like TM Aquatics. If you check out TM Aquatics channel, you can probably message him through a comment there and he would know a lot more about that than I would. Here's what I do know. They like to feel snug. So they want to be able to get in and out, but they want to feel snug. So if, if they needed to, they could poke out their fins and kind of inflate themselves and, and really wedge themselves in there. Kayla's Aquatics and Exotics throwing down the Pippi Longstocking Cheerleader Sticker. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Bob. Let's all take a moment and enjoy Pippi, shall we? There she is, bouncing up and down in her circle of happy. <laughs> Thanks, Bob. Appreciate it. Always brings a smile to my face when Bob does that. Okay. Guard. Oh, wait. I was going to say guardy locks. <laughs> Gardaki's Playground RB. There we go. I think I got it. Dan, I have now my fifth generation of albino quarry from watching out Dan's fish. Awesome! I'm glad they're breeding for you. I'm glad that that quarry video uh, was helpful. That's good. So those are the videos that I think are, are the best, right? A lot of my videos are, well, mostly it's just live streams because of time. But a lot of them are like tours and showing you the progress of building the, the warehouse and everything, which I think is, is cool. If you're going to build a fish room, maybe there's things that you could take from that that would be useful. So that's a little bit evergreen. Um, but often it's just a tour of like, here's what we have in, let's show you some cool fish. So what I like about the uh, Corridors breeding and raising video is, is it's, I think, going to be pertinent forever because people are going to buy Corridors Aeneas albino and they're going to spawn and people are going to be like, what do I do now? <laughs> so we're there for you in that situation. Um, I wouldn't call it high production value. <laughs> it's a grainy little video, but I think that I think the information in it is sound. So I'm glad it's helping you. Years after it was made, still helping people. That's awesome. John Keith Gardner, would leopard tenopoma be okay tank mates for rainbow fish? I think they'd be okay for large rainbow fish like Parkinsoni, something like that. Um, but they would need to be pretty darn big. That being said, I've never tried it. Leopard tenopoma have pretty big mouths, but I think a really large one would be fine. That being said, someone in here is going to be like, actually, I tried that. Uh, no. So again, never tried it. Just thinking, yeah, probably be okay. Dragon Lair, I thought you called the sunken bellied ones clown plecos. Maybe I did. Um, I, I could have said that. So I, now that I know the ones you're talking about, though, um, some are eating a little bit and some aren't. So we're, we're still fighting the fight. 
And thanks to everyone that gave suggestions on, on what to do with that. All the help is, is greatly appreciated. Mountaintop Puffer Keeper, yes, that one was the video of the F1 spawning. Yes, that was a cool video. Eric Y. Rock, what do you feed your L201s? So same thing, I, I give them uh, Hikari Massivore pellets is, is a frequent food. The reason I like that food is because I can put it in the evening before I go to bed, or before I close shop, which is pretty much when I go to bed. And then the next morning when I come in, if I've fed too much, I can scoop it out and it's still solid enough that I can scoop it out and it doesn't, you know, foul the tank. One reason I really like doing this is when Pletcos first come in, I give them a day basically, and 24 hours and I don't do anything. Then that next night, whatever 24 hours later is, I'll try feeding them and I do that by dropping one Hikari Massivore pellet in the tank because I don't know of really any Pleco that doesn't like those, even the vegetarians or the ones that eat mostly vegetable matter, right? You're in citrus and stuff. You're actually omnivores, but anyway, I put one of those in each tank that has those Plecos in it and the next day I check. And if they haven't eaten it, I pull it out. And if they have eaten it, I can make a little record and say, okay, this tank has started eating. And I can then know that these guys are eating and these guys aren't. So then the next day I try it again. And I, I just keep doing that until they start eating the pellet. So it's a good way to introduce the plecos to food while they're adjusting without fouling the tank because the pellets hold together pretty well. Now, while I'm doing that, um, I'll often have zucchini in the tank too. And I'll, I'll start seeing where they start scraping the rind of the zucchini and, and kind of chewing on the zucchini. And that's an indication, okay, this one started eating this. So that's why I do it that way. Once they've started eating, then I'll introduce other things. I'll introduce algae wafers in the mix. We can introduce bloodworms in the mix, things like that. But when I first do it, I want stuff that will not fall apart so that if they don't eat, I can know they didn't eat and I can clean it up. So it's a way to gauge how they're feeding when they first arrive. So that's, that's kind of how I, I go about things. Um, usually there's wood in there as well. So it's here. Yeah, that's what I do with the L201s and, and pretty much all the plecos. Now, once I know they're eating, if they're more of a pleco that eats more vegetable matter or whatever, then I'll feed more of that. Or if it's a wood eater, you know, we have, we have morning wood. Um, for those that don't know, that's the name of a fish food, okay? Rapashi morning wood, this is a brand. And we also have wood that we put in there. We, we literally have the L92s right now, which are the wood eating pleco. I think that's what they're called. That's the common name. Um, so, yeah. Ira Nelson, if you would like to see the paradise fish, I made a little video for them. They are so adorable. Yeah, if you send me a link, that'd be great. Um, one thing that that our, our technical leader doesn't want us doing is opening videos that are sent to us as videos. It, what we want to do is open links to like a YouTube video or something. That way they, we know they're more secure. So there are some issues with just sending, downloading a video and sending it to us as a download. But if you could set it as a link from YouTube or um, Vimo or whatever, that would, that would be fine. I'd love to see it. Hang on, scrolling up because chat jumped. 
You know, it's 8.01. We'll take a quick break. And let me see here if Johnny has told me if he's heard back from the person. Johnny, would you send me a text and let me know if I can mention the name of the person who's providing the giveaway or not? I'd like to thank them. If you'd shoot me a text, Johnny. So we'll do the giveaway in a few minutes. And uh, I think we'll do two separate ones. Yeah. Draw it out. Draw the suspense. Draw the pain. Okay, I'm going up here. Chat jumped. So let me look here. Woo! Okay, here it is. Found it. Samuel! Did you guys have an Island of Misfit Toys Aquarium at your facility? I have one for my small deformed fish I've accumulated over the years. Yeah, we call it the retirement tank. <laughs> we've, got, we've got a couple of those. Yep. Yep, yep. I love the reference back to the old, old-time Rudolph. Jake Z, any recommendations for raising an Oscar? Mine is very rambunctious in a 75-gallon. Well, they are rambunctious fish. fish. Um, I've never kept an Oscar. I mean, I've kept them at pet stores and things, but they always sold before they were small, so I'm not a good source of information for Oscars, I'm sorry. For those, I think I would refer you to KG Tropicals. John over at KG Tropicals absolutely loves Oscars. Uh, you can reach him through keepfishkeeping.com or KG Tropicals on YouTube. Guppy Barn Aquatics, will you be getting any wild variatus? Not anytime soon, Guppy Barn. They are something that I'd like to do, but it's, it's going to be a little while before I can do that. Verily, verily, KC, can I put him with my eight pandas in a different tank? I think we're talking about the albino, was it the albino quarry whose siblings died recently? Um, you can. I wouldn't do it, though, until I was sure that he was okay and that you wouldn't... If, if there's something going on in the tank that killed his two siblings and he has it, the last thing you want to do is move him to another tank because you could spread that around. So you want to keep him isolated where he is until he's been there healthy long enough that you're reasonably certain that he's he's not carrying something that could be detrimental to the uh, panda quarries. So you could do that. However, quarries like to school with their own species. So ideally, he would get another group of his own species once you're sure he's okay. Orange cones, you made me nearly choke on my iced tea when you gave the timely to get a TT equipment, tip or tie. And it was 245 days from the order to final delivery. Yeah. Yeah. It's a... Uh, it, it was an odyssey and an adventure trying to order that piece of equipment. <laughs> and thanks, Orange Cones, for all your help on that. The machine uh, is working well. We're glad to have it. Now, it could work better, of course, but it worked. The bags were sealed. You know, we're, we're calling that a win. Chuck Davis, I was told that steak endlers were rare. Just how rare do you think they are in your opinion? I think they're, they're quite rare. Um, so the reason steak endlers are, are special is because uh, Dr. Steak, am I saying that right? Stack, Stack? I'm not quite sure how to say it. Um, my understanding is brought them back from the source and so we know that they're true bloodline. They haven't been hybridized with guppies or crossed with, there's N class and K class and is it P class? Uh, a little rusty on it, endlers. And some of them, one of the classes, I forget which one, is we know these are true endlers, they haven't been crossed with anything, and we can trace their bloodline back. That's why those are valuable. 
because it's hard to find those. Most endlers are crossed with guppies back in the day and aren't true endlers. So it's rare to find tried and true endlers. Now, like any fish though, like any guppy type, endler type fish, any live bear of that caliber, they're gonna reproduce rapidly. So there's always a limited window of a few years for a rare guppy or a rare um, endler, unless it has some strange genetics that make it really hard to produce. Like, I, I'm thinking of sword tails and like, uh, you know, some of the sword tails have, are unable to reproduce, so you have to cross them with different ones and, and we won't go into that. But um, I think stake endlers are rare and I think they're gonna be rare for a few years but they become less rare every few months because they, they're easy to breed and raise. So yeah, I, I think they're... The main thing with the stake endlers though is they're super pretty. They're, they're just amazing. They're very hardy and I think they're one of the easiest endlers to raise. I have no cover in that tank whatsoever now and they're still popping out babies and not eating them. So, but the main thing with them is I just think they're super pretty. And yeah, they're, they're rare enough that people are selling them still for, I've seen them upwards of $120 a pair. So yes, it's rare to find pure blood endlers. Scott's Aquatics, how are you dealing with the high heat and shipping? Already got that one. Hooker Cook, I've been trying to find snails. Wow, all caps, you've really been trying to find snails to save my tank that I can afford. And then you showed up in my recommended, it is meant to be. <laughs> I'm glad Kismet worked out in this case. Welcome, we'll see, we'll see, maybe you'll win. Let's see if Johnny texted me. Still haven't heard, okay. So we're gonna go ahead and do the giveaway. I don't know if I can thank uh, the person who provided it, because I don't know how much privacy they want. So uh, I'm not gonna do that, but hopefully I can do that next week, but for now, the giveaway from the mystery donor for five Dalmatian mollies and a group of a, a, what do you call it? An assortment of mystery snails, which will include three black, three blue and three gold. So nice, nice tidy little giveaway there. Nice mix. Um, the winner of that is, drum roll please, Chris George. Oh, I didn't, sorry. Here you go, guys. Chris George, you have won. Congratulations. Uh, you have two minutes to chime in and let us know that you're here to claim your winnings. So we'll give you a couple minutes to chime in. Until then, we're going to get right back to it. Regina Phalanges, verily, verily, don't, oh wait, that's not for me. <laughs> that's just the next one. <laughs> I always want to go like full preacher when I read Verily, Verily. <laughs> Stephen Marvin, how do you sex super red epistos? Um, it's going to probably be easiest by the shape of the dorsal fin and anal fin. I'm not sure which super red we're talking about. Is this a super red cockatoides? Is it a super red agazizii? Um... Okay, it looks like what we have, is this a McMasteri? The problem with a name like Super Red is I can see it, yeah, so here's the problem with it is, so I, I see different types of Epistos being called Super Red. Here's a McMasteri, 
here's a cockatoides. I think this is agazizii. So I'm not sure. Um, but in general, in general, the fin shape will be quite different. Like, see this? How the this is a female, I would guess. The, the fins are, uh, you know, kind of rounded. Nothing extraordinary going on there. Um, and this would, I would imagine, be a male that would go with her. See how the fins are more pointed, more extended, more gaudy, more showy? Um, that's, that's kind of the basic way, but it's really hard for me to uh, answer the question just because it's hard without knowing exactly which species we're talking about. Gardaki's Playground RB. Can albino quarries have bronze or orange fry? Um, so if you breed albino quarries to albino quarries, that's a simple recessive gene and all the babies will be albino. If you breed an albino quarry to a bronze quarry, for example, which is the normal natural color, then um, all the babies will be bronze, but they'll be heterozygous, they'll carry the albino gene. So if you were then to breed those babies together, which look bronze, but carry in their genes, the albino gene, you would get three quarters of them would be bronze and 25% of them would be albino. So it just depends on the genes they're carrying. But albino to albino always produces albino. As far as orange fry, I'm not sure. Um, as far as I know, the orange Venezuelan quarry doesn't have an albino variant. So, uh, uh, but maybe you're talking about something else. I'm not quite sure. Bunny Viper, hello, I've forgotten how to sex my epiplatis sex fasciatus. One has a round tail, one has a spade tail. Can you tell... Please tell me again, I have two fry. Yeah, so the um, the one with the extended tail, the more spade tail is the male. He'll also have a, extensions on his anal fin. Let me see if I can show you this. Epiplates sex fasciatus. Let's see here. Okay, here's a good example. So here's a male. See how he's got extended anal fin, extended uh, pelvic fins here. And the tail's not just round, it's kind of got this, it's kind of got an extension on it here. And then a female is this. Rounded tail, pretty clear, rounded anal fin, pretty clear, and a little, that little white edging there. The, uh, the uh, pelvic fins are not extended. So that versus that. In fact, here's a pair right here, side by side. And I, I think it might be easier to go by the anal fin than by the caudal fin. So anyway, that's how you do it. Anal fin on the female will be nice and clear and rounded. All right, oh, let's see if we have our winner claiming their winnings. Let's see here. Winner, are you claiming your winnings? Yes, Chris George has won. Chris, you've won some uh, Dalmatian Mollies, five of them, and nine assorted mystery snails. Congratulations. Please send an email to hello, H-E-L-L-O, at dancefish.com. It's hello at dancefish.com, and uh, we'll get you sorted. Congratulations. Thanks for playing. Thanks for being here. Adam Lash, single-handedly feeding my multiple tank addiction by bringing in tons of new and unique fish. 
Oh, me? Yeah, that's the goal. More tanks equals world peace. <laughs> Do you have trouble in your lives? Have that not so fresh feeling? Get another aquarium. <laughs> Jake Z, have you taken care of Oscars? Not much, just at pet stores and stuff. I've never owned any long-term myself. Don Gallagher, it was 111 here in Phoenix, Arizona today. Yeah. Now, it will get to the point, like I said, it's about the differential. If it gets to the point where I'd have to put in too many cold packs so they get too cold here, because it's so hot there, right? The, the number of cold packs there is so, that would be needed on that end is so many that they would get too cold on my end, then I just say, hey, it's too hot and we, we pick another day to ship. That's not a problem. But uh, up to around 110 or so, I, I'm fairly comfortable. As long as it's also hot here and I can put in the heat packs. It was over 100 here today, so I, I think that's a true statement. So we can put in enough heat packs right now. Our cold packs. <laughs> cold packs. <laughs> Let's put in some heat packs. It's 111. All right. John Snow Radio. John Snow's alive. How many of your geos would you recommend in a 75 with six angels and 10 Congo Tetris? Thanks. It depends on how much maintenance you want to do in the filtration, how much you feed and stuff, but. I think that you could get away with, there's six angels, 10 Congo Tetras. I think you could do six Geos and, and not stress the system. I mean, I don't know what your system is, but, and not have a thing where like, man, now I have to change 50% of the water twice a day or anything like that. Like, I think you get six Geos in there. Um, I, I know a guy that keeps, uh, is it six or four full-grown Geos with a couple big silver dollars and a couple big angels and other stuff, and we just, we held them for him for several weeks and we just had them in a 75 gallon with a sponge filter and they were fine. But again, it depends on how you keep aquariums. It's about bio load, um, how much you feed and, and how you maintain them and how you filter them and things. It, every tank's different. But I, I would be comfortable doing that if I was a hobbyist in my tank, sure. And I say if I was a hobbyist, I am a hobbyist, meaning like right now I have this massive flow-through system. I, I can keep a lot of fish in a tank because we, we don't get ammonia because the, the water flows through so much. I, I'm talking about if I had a tank like a normal hobbyist with filters and stuff and had to do weekly or bi-weekly water changes or whatnot. Leo 209 Aquatics, how are those 397s doing in any for sure females? They're doing great. They eat like champs. They're tanks and none for sure females. The trouble with them at this size is they might look female, but they're small enough that they could start growing lots of thick, spiky pectoral fins any day, right? So, James Taylor, will you be getting more Shodeni puffers? I will buy the whole lot whenever you get the next. Really the best looking puffers I've ever received. James, I'm glad to hear that. Yes, we have a group of Shodeni here, and um, they're, they're going to take a few weeks to get ready to go but I'll let you know. And we have a good number of them. So I'm glad you liked them. Uh, yeah, those showed Denny big, healthy. They were beautiful. I, I hope I got some pictures before we sold them all. <laughs> I, I really hope so. I can't remember. It's been a whirlwind, but um, that's so nice to hear. I'm, I'm glad, James, that you liked them and that they're doing well for you. That's great. 
Do you have video of the fish fam camp out and cookout tour at your place? I don't. I don't have any. I think Pam was taking video. I think. There's video out there somewhere. I believe Pam took video, but I did not, Bob. I was busy being a host, and uh, when I gave the tour, though, I, I'm pretty sure she recorded me. Is that right? Punchy paints? That's what I remember. It's been a few years, though. I'm scrolling here because chat jumped, and I'm trying to find where the last comment was. Ira Nelson, feel free to look up my name. Am I, am I totally butchering it? Sorry. <laughs> I imagine that's what that means. I, I butcher lots of names. I'm an equal opportunity name butcherer. <laughs> um, Ronnie Simonian. Is it normal for clown killies to have a silver indentation on the top of their heads? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's an eye spot. So um, lots of epiplates and applicylus and stuff have this. Um, so let's look up, uh, yeah, for sure. That's totally normal. On the top of the head, have a silver spot. Let me show you guys what we're talking about. There it is. From the top. Let's see, there's got to be a picture that shows it picture from the top. Okay, let's try this. Let's try Epiplates eye spot. Oh, come on. All we have to do is get one from above and you'll see it. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, if we keep scrolling, that'll be boring if we keep going. <laughs> but yes, totally normal on the top of the head, yep. Preston John, we have 50 plus one half to one inch Rhinogobius uchuensis and many more growing. Is this a goby you would like to sell? Yes, I'd love to sell. I, I, I would buy the batch, yes. Um, once they're all at about an inch, I can go ahead and, and take them. A half inch is a little small, probably a ship. But Preston, I would love that. I love Rhinogobius. And I like buying from hobbyists like you. So, yes, very interested. Ty Aquatics. Your ideas plus or minus on using aquaculture probiotics to balance fish gut flora and eating again. I had success using products for commercial shrimp production. Any experiences from you? I haven't used probiotics for fish. I mean, I, I guess I've used some foods. There was a craze, it's kind of died down now for a while, that it was fish food with probiotics. And um, so I guess I, I fed some of that maybe, but I haven't fed any like of the powders or anything like that. So I don't have an opinion just because I don't have any experience with it. Stefan Leg, I'm gonna say Leg. Have a question about the L397. I had two spawns from them. Congratulations, that's around 50 eggs. 20 of them, the, the egg sac did not disappear. Okay, then 30 that I got left died, all of sunk belly or blown up bellies. Okay, 
So without knowing the particulars, I don't know exactly what happened, but here's what I will say. If they don't get enough food, you can get sunken belly. If they um, are in water that is not clean enough, they'll often bloat out. So I've seen both those things, not necessarily in this species of, of fish, but in baby fish in general. I'm talking about raising fish in general. I've seen both those things. As far as not absorbing the, the egg yolk, we see that all the time when we're raising killifish and it's called a belly slider. I don't know for sure what causes it, but I've seen that in killifish, I've seen that in quarries. Uh, again, I haven't bred and raised many of the uh, fancy plecos, so I don't have a lot of experience with that. But what I would suspect is if, the basic thing is keep food in front of them as often as you can and keep the water clean. That's the challenge. When one of those goes out of balance, then we're going to run into trouble. So I would encourage you to um, maybe figure out a way to keep the water cleaner. And this is not me throwing shade at you or pointing fingers or anything. It's a real challenge raising a big group of babies, keeping food in front of them and keeping their water clean. I, I understand it's, it's, it's a challenge. But if uh, maybe check out Dean's uh, fry flow-through system uh, at Dean's Fish Room. Uh, Aquarium Co-op's done some videos of it. That kind of thing where the water is getting changed frequently so you can keep food in front of them without uh, creating a toxic environment. Because it's one little slip up, you're on that razor's edge, one little thing goes wrong and suddenly the babies, uh, you know, the, the water gets too dirty and they die off on you. Steven Leg, I have driftwood and catawba leaves in the breeder box. Yeah, that, that sounds helpful. U.S. Scraper, any tips on sexing CW28s, the super schwartzy? No, I don't know how. I Did I say scraper again? <laughs> I think I did. U.S. not scraper. <laughs> I don't know how to sex them. Douglas B, ever see guppies get really skinny? Yes, almost like wasting weight. Uh, yes, nothing new introduced in the environment in the last six months. Medicated just to be sure, seem to be eating well. Inbred? I don't know. Every now and then uh, we'll have a bash, they'll be going fine, and then a few of them will get that, that really emaciated pinch belly thing. I've tried different medicines, I've tried lots of things. I don't know what it is. My suspicion is it could be many different causes. Um, anything that hampers the digestion or metabolism it could be and, and lots of things I think might be able to do that and when I've had that the the aquatic veterinarian that I work with hasn't been able to get a, a clear uh, cause of it so I know what you're talking about and I, yes I see it it's common now I don't want to say that it's rampant like all the fish get it but if you have a group of 200 guppies or something like that then a couple of them are likely to have that. Don't know what it is, though. Skipper Scotty, I made it. Well, welcome, Skipper Scotty. Welcome to the party. All things fish. Hey, good to see you, Michael. Hope you're doing well. I was watching a video the other day. A point came up that I hadn't thought about. Are you familiar with any issues with dissolved gases using well water from deep wells? Yes. Yes. Um, now... 
I don't think most wells are deep enough for that. I think most of it comes from temperature differential, but you could, if it's deep enough that it's high enough pressure, you could have that, yes. And the key when you're doing that, if you do have that situation where you have too much uh, dissolved gases in your water, is to gas it off before you put it in your aquarium. So I'd recommend getting a, a big container. You can put the water in, throw an air stone in it, let it bubble overnight, and then do your water change, something like that. Or you'll just have to do super small water changes so you don't overwhelm the tank with fine gas bubbles. All things fish three times equals world peace. You know it. <laughs> Breeding is pleasure. Oh, I can't even say it. Breeding is pleasure and galazzo. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Those are the sayings for happy life here at Dan's Fish. Samuel, throwing down a super chat. Thank you so much. Do you know Castle Dawn Aquatics or My Home Nature? They're two fish shops in the Hong Kong area. I think you could make some magic happen together. I don't know them. Samuel, if you do know them, um, I would, I'm always looking for new suppliers. There's a few things I would like. I, I would really like to find a good supplier for rice fish. There's a lot of Madaka rice fish that, that we just can't get in the United States. And I would I would love to find something like that. Now I don't know if they have in Hong Kong or not, but yeah. Uh, in Hong Kong they have neat rhinogobius around there that I'd love to get my hands on, so always, always looking. The issue with an import is generally most places aren't equipped to to handle the volume. So it would need to be several thousand fish to make the import worthwhile with once you attach all the fees and, and everything to it so most places are like i've got this or i've got this and this but it almost takes a real exporter to have the volume but if they have the volume and the number of species needed to make that kind of thing happen then i'm always interested yes always looking xanadu do for the pizza fun when bob comes to visit <laughs> <laughs> the pie fund <laughs> please enjoy something other than ramen just one day all right we'll put an egg in the ramen <laughs> thank you xanadu do i really appreciate it always appreciated never required but it's awful nice when money falls out of the computer screen and lands on our lap thanks for supporting oh miguel leon have you ever gotten rhinogobi jus in stock Jouy? I, I'm not quite how, sure how to say it. No. I know that fish. I love that fish. Every time I see a picture of it, I drool a little bit. But uh, I have not been able to get it in stock as of yet. I shouldn't say that. It's been available, but not from a supplier I want to use um, or at a price that makes sense. Yeah. Oh boy, we have porn spamming us. This is great. Thanks, mods, for getting all over that. Jeez. <laughs> Jeez. All right. We've got the pie fun, Steen. Pie fun for you, Steen Fought. <laughs> okay. Kitty Curl 08, thank you for your fake snail recipe. I mix Viber Bites because my red eye dwarf puffers, red eye puffers, were eating them before, so they took right to it. You are the best. Oh, I'm glad that that worked for you. Yeah, so for those that have puffers and you're trying to feed them something that'll trim down their beak, um, if you mix some oyster shell in with the food they already like in a way that it kind of gels together, then that can help. So I'm glad that worked for you, Curl Kitty. 
I've got one Amazon puffer right now that I'm having trouble with. Um, he'll eat, but he won't eat the crunchy stuff. So I'm starting to see his little fangs, if you will, getting long. So I might actually need to uh, trim them. I've never had to do that before. I've always been able to get them to eat the crunchy stuff. So hopefully I can, but if not, I'm not really looking forward to it. Okay, there's Aquatics and Exotics. Thank you so much. Give me the thumbs up with the fox cat. <laughs> That's a cute one. I mean, Pippi will reign supreme always, but still a nice sticker. <laughs> anyway, thanks for the support, Bob. I, I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Thanks for everything. Um, with that, it's 8.30. I think we're going to wrap this up. Thanks to my moderators for being here, for volunteering their time. How cool is that? That someone would volunteer their time week after week just to support this channel and the community. I really appreciate that. So thanks so much. Everyone that threw money at us, thanks for the super chats. Always appreciated, never required, but it makes my wife Brenda happy when money falls out of the screen. So thank you so much. Um, everyone that left a question or comment, thanks for chatting with us and uh, you know being active and making this interesting, giving me stuff to riff off of. I appreciate that. Um, everyone who was lurking, I'm with you. Hail the Lurker Nation. Everyone that's watching on the replay, hello from the past. Everyone uh, listening to the, did I get the R there? Everyone? How lazy can you be when you say everyone? Everyone? <laughs> everyone who's listening to the podcast, thanks for listening. And thanks to Michael Mellier for making that happen. We'll be back, um, same bat time, same bat channel next week. And uh, you might have Steam Fought with us. I'm pretty excited to see you, Bob. Can't wait. All right, until next time, have a good one, everyone. Thanks, and bye-bye.